Welcome to Straight Cut Nonsense, the podcast. Try something here. And, oh, that's why, because my volume was all the way down. Wow. <laughs> okay, well, um, wicked, hi, James. You're wicked smart. Yeah. <laughs> you want to start this one, because I usually start them? Are we recording? Yeah, we're recording. Oh, hi, Spencer. <laughs> hi, James. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm great. <laughs> um, welcome. Thanks. Uh, I'm welcoming you to your own room. <laughs> Thanks. Um, it's great to be here in my bedroom. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I mean, in Studio Three. Yes. Um, Northwest London. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> very expensive. Very flat. <laughs> <laughs> um, so this is episode four. And um, there isn't a huge amount of news at the moment, uh, but there is one fairly significant and slightly damning thing Yeah. that's just occurred. Yeah. And it's kind of sad. Yeah. Two things are quite sad, but yeah. So uh, Aston Martin um, has just had 20% of itself, (laughs) such a businessman, (laughs) Um, um, boards, I guess? (laughs) No, not quite. Not quite? <laughs> Explain it to me. Give so, me the lowdown. Aston Martin and Mercedes. <laughs> yeah. As we all know by now, Aston Martin and Mercedes have had a, a technology partnership since 2013, where Mercedes has supplied powertrains and electronic systems to Aston Martin um, used in the V8 Vantage and the DBX and the DB11, all the, that 4-liter twin-turbo V8. That says Aston Martin on it, but is really an AMG. Actually, you know what? It might not even say Aston Martin on it. I forget. Does it? I can't remember. Well, like, look. Like, like Aston Martin have this thing where they say who, who hand-built the motors, or they did anyway. Um, so I would hope that they'd continue that uh, gimmick. Yeah, I feel it's like... it's kind of part of the package. I mean, AMG does that too. Do they? Yeah. AMG uh-huh. always does that. So, I just pulled up a, a Google image. Doesn't look like it. And we see there's still a plaque on there, but it looks like it's an Aston Martin plaque. Yeah, it looks like it. So, that's interesting. Um, anyways, that was a little bit of a, a side rant. Yeah. What I was saying yeah. is that, Continue, please. <laughs> uh, Aston Martin and Mercedes have just agreed to increase their uh, cooperation, or whatever you want to call it, where Mercedes will purchase up to 20% of Aston Martin's equity over the next couple of years. And in exchange for that, Aston Martin will get access to an more and more Mercedes tech. Dun, dun, yeah. dun! <laughs> Namely, Ugh. the hybridized units, um, so like electric motors and stuff for the hybrid cars, and eventually... Full electric vehicle technology, mm-hmm. which I hope will debut on that Lagonda concept. Yeah, that was pretty sick. I heard that's going to be rebranded as just Nassim Martin and not a Lagonda. Really? Yeah. But so, I don't know if Lagonda's so D- happening. DBX? Well, because that's already huge. It's enormous. It's like a and the Lagonda's even S600 bigger. Maybach on stilts. Kind of, with yeah. With that really cool body. Yeah, and Ferris well. Um, Maybe. Where does the where does the <laughs> sit? That would be a confusing choice. Well, at the moment, Lagonda. What was the last Lagonda thing? Was that sedan they did, right? Yeah. Um, and that was what back in like 2015, 2016? Yeah. Around there. Yeah. Um, but Lagonda is supposed to be much, yeah. you know, more exclusive than Aston Martin. Allegedly. Um, yeah. Allegedly. Well, they're so exclusive that they don't even. They don't exist. exist. Yeah. <laughs> So well, they nailed it. It's weird because like there was the Aston Martin Lagonda in the eighties. Yeah, and that was an Aston Martin, and the model name was a Lagonda, and it was just like that was a very strange sedan thing. Yeah, I'm pretty sure the full company name is actually still yeah. Aston Martin Lagonda Limited. Probably. So, it's still it, lurking in the background. Is somewhere. it a Mercedes Maybach situation? Will it be that? Kind of. Kind of. Like it should be. Um. But Maybach was originally a separate brand, I believe. Yeah, Mercedes so. bought it. Lagonda and yeah. Aston have always been tied together. They have, yeah, true. But it is similar, yeah. Yeah. Um, 
So yeah, I I'm I'm not thrilled about this news. Well, I am I am for the sake of, uh, like funding for Aston Martin <laughs> because um they've they've always been in kind. Of, I feel like there's never been a, a week where Aston Martin haven't been in some sort of financial turmoil, and COVID has been pretty terrible for them. Yeah. Um, because they have a small workforce and it just got smaller. They laid off something like five hundred people, uh, after like a couple months of lockdown. It was a uh, it was insane. Um, and so it, I mean, it's going to be good that AMG are investing in them in, but I'm also like, I don't necessarily like the shared stuff, the shared gubbins between the two. Cause, uh, I mean, I understand like hybridization EV platforms have to be, have to be made now. Like it's not even a question. Uh, yeah, I, I feel really torn by it because, I mean, COVID wreaked havoc on pretty much every niche English yeah. manufacturer. Yeah. Right? Like, Aston got hammered, McLaren got hammered, JLR. Yeah. I think Rolls-Royce was okay because BMW was yeah. supporting them. Yeah. Um, but Aston's market share or their market value has dropped something like 94% Under. between now and since when they originally IPO'd. Right, uh, so two Andy, years ago. Andy Palmer. Yeah. Like, Jesus. Yeah. Wow. So, that's, that's, that's not good. <laughs> I would not describe that as bueno. <laughs> yeah. I, I really don't have confidence in Aston Martin's current uh, plan to fix things, which is basically just to make a lot more cars. Yeah. Um, but we'll see. I mean, you know, hopefully it'll work because it's an amazing brand. I mean, even if it doesn't work and they go under, somebody will bring them back in a year or two. Too, it's, it's happened so many times yeah, already. Literally. And yeah. they're too much part of, like, the British kind of cultural landscape, yeah. like, worldwide as well as, like, it, they're, they're, they're the darling of Britain, even if not many people buy them. <laughs> right. Yeah, they um, really are. So, yeah, and, like, uh, yeah. yeah, I'm the same. I'm torn. Yeah. But, We'll see what happens. Yeah, and it is, you know, it's one of the most recognized brands in the world. Uh, if not the most. Yeah, Mercedes is as well. Yeah. Um, and, and the other thing that James and I were wondering about is, so, you know, Mercedes is going to allegedly phase out their AMG V8 twin turbo, um, which, A, is just going to be the end of AMG as a whole. Yeah. Because now that they've gotten rid of their V12, Right. V8 is the only thing left that really, you know, makes them, like, AMG, AMG. <laughs> yeah. Mean, you can argue that the Turbo 4 in the, you know, in the smaller cars is hugely impressive, but I have zero attraction to it. No, I don't yeah. either. And, oh yeah, um, and uh, I, I, it's, it's kind of crazy that they've, like, made the AMG, like, an offshoot brand. Yeah. Oh, another side rant. Oh, okay. Did, do you remember when the AMG GT Black Series came out and I messaged you about... We were talking about how like horrible the exhaust sounds. Yeah, it sounds like it sounds like my car. Yeah, my my full port Clio. <laughs> we were saying, I mean, so that car is a flat plane crank V eight. It's the mm. first time AMG has done that, so it sounds very quote unquote non AMG. Right? Like shit. It sounds it does like sound like garbage. Garbage. Um, it sounds like a four cylinder car. Yeah. And not even an AMG four cylinder. No. It just sounds like a four cylinder car. No, nothing special. And I had this like really nice conspiracy theory that I was proud of myself for putting together. I saw that coming. <laughs> Where I feel like AMG is, and, and a lot of car manufacturers as well are almost trying to like downplay the importance of exhaust notes now because they know that in a couple years time they're not going to be able to use that as a marketing tool to differentiate themselves. So <laughs> combine that with the, you know, the, the ever-tightening emissions regulations, the gas particulate filters that we're seeing applied to cars... And it's like they're just giving the internal combustion engine a slow and cringy death all like, the way out. It's always been like this. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, no one else. Yeah. yeah. It's just kind of like a, it's almost like a, a like, sabotage uh, their, own, <laughs> their own thing to be like, this new thing's much better. Yeah. It's like, like Corvette kind of did that last ZR1. Like, they made it deliberately kind of skittish and shit. Um, so they can be like, oh, mid-engine, that's such an innovation. <laughs> like, it's sort of been around forever, but okay. <laughs> um, yeah. And yeah, the, good theory. So, you know, it's already confirmed that the next C63 AMG is going to have a four-cylinder. Uh, yeah. Not even a V6. Yeah. Fuck me. <laughs> I just, I really can't imagine who's going to buy these cars, but we'll find out. I, I mean, if people do buy them, I don't think well, it'll the, be like... Well, the appeal, will, is it going to be four-wheel drive as well? 
Probably, yeah. Yeah, because like the only appeal, I guess, would be acceleration because that's the thing that's most important at the moment, apparently, is numbers. And traffic, like, shit, not, not buffoonery that AMG are known for. Yeah. God sake. Urgh. Why didn't they put the bi-turbo V12 in an A-class? <laughs> <laughs> in like the boot. Yeah. <laughs> like, make it like a la the, the Citroen, the Clio, sorry, the Clio V6. Yeah. Like, make an A-class V12. Yeah, or that, that Golf oh, W12 that was, 650. That was that was sick. When was that? Like two thousand nine? Yeah, something like that. It was it was it was uh, anniversary of the You're right. GTI. Some so special like things maybe. Okay. Yeah, because it was a it was a Mark Five Golf. Okay. Yeah. And it had a, a Continental GTW. <laughs> yes. Just Hit stupid wide hilarious. body. Hilarious. Oh, oh, that was amazing, and it yeah. did not handle because obviously. Yeah. Shortest wheelbase ever. Love it. Love it. <laughs> anyway, um, so tied to this Aston Martin news is. The sad news that Sean Connery at ninety passed away, um, yeah. which is and it, this wasn't a COVID. Uh, COVID didn't claim his soul, uh, and it, apparently it was a, it was a disease. It was a, he was ill for a while. Yeah, so. I mean, no disease could take down James Bond. Exactly, yeah. it has to be something else. Um, so um, rest in peace, uh, Mister Connery. Yeah, his mm-hmm. contribution to film and. Aston British Martin. and Aston Martin, yeah. everything is uh, cannot be denied. Yeah. So, uh, R.I.P. Dude. It's one of the coolest pictures ever of him leaning on the front wing of his Aston yes. on the film set. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, boss. Anyways, yeah, that's that's kind of the news this week. Is um, sadness. Yeah, that's <laughs> sadness all around. With a capital S. <laughs> <laughs> sadness. Um, but to counter that, we're gonna talk about um, a lot of. High points in the automotive timeline. CC. We put together a list, 25 of the most influential cars, and these are all production road cars mm-hmm. that debuted some sort of first, um, technology-wise. Yes. Yeah. Or perfected the recipe of something. Um, yeah. Of a type or genre, or you or utilize something in like a better way, or whatever. Yeah. Um, we're going to do this in chronological order. Yes, we are. Do you know why we're going to do that? Why? Because I wanted to. Oh. Oh, I see. Because <laughs> um, you're a white straight man and you have to have it your way. <laughs> I mean, yeah. <laughs> Duh. Well, the world was made for you. God forbid I shouldn't have it my <laughs> yeah. way. Oh, God. <laughs> Yikes. Um, well, we're going to kick things off uh, nice and easy. with the Save the accent. The Benz Patent Motorwagen. Good. I understand yeah. that. Isn't uh, this was the first car ever produced. You can stop now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, no, no. no. Uh, this no, is now. Talk. This yeah. is now the new me. Right. So we yeah. we're insulting a region every episode, aren't we? I'm not insulting. You pay tribute to it. Yeah. yeah. You call it insulting. Best form of well. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. The the Benz Patent Motorwagen. Invented by Carl Benz in 1885, cool. is widely viewed as the first ever production car. There were mm-hmm. other contraptions with engines that moved, but this was the first one where you can say there's been more than one, they're identical, it's yep. something of a series production vehicle. Yep. Um, and that goes to Carl Benz, so yep. hats off to that guy. And it had, was it two thirds of a horsepower? Yes, it launched and, with two thirds of horsepower. And I mean, I mean, it's quite an iconic car, so I'm pretty yeah. sure, you, like most people know, what it looks like. But it's literally like a horseless carriage. Well, it's um, a three wheeler too. And a three wheeler. Yeah. So it's it's um, and it's pretty cool. I want yeah. one. I'd like one. I yeah. also like the fact that um, what the current Mercedes engines that those new four cylinders that we don't like are putting out about two hundred horsepower per liter. Something like that, yeah. And this and uh, this one liter yeah. single cylinder engine put out two thirds of horsepower. <laughs> right. Damn, Gina. That's kind of shocking, huh? Yeah. Not so great. yeah, hats off, hats off to <laughs> Carl. And um, you know, yeah, just that that was kind of a paved the way for Henry Ford to come by in 1908 with the Model T, which was the first car to be mass produced on an assembly line, and that's really what kickstarted the automobile. Automotive culture, as we know today, or commercial, auto commercial success. Let's I, say, yeah, something like that. Yeah, yeah. we'll say that. Yeah, um, why don't you do the second one? Because it's Italian and very cool. Sure. So the second uh, car, we, or third car, I guess we have on our list. Um, no, no, it's or the we're second. combining. The Model T was an asterisk. That was oh, merely a okay, footnote. Okay, it's a footnote. Right, yeah, got it, got it. 
Oh my god, you're looking at me horribly. Um, so the second car is a Lancia Lambda from 1922. Um, we gave a shout out to this car because it had the first uh, monocoque unibody chassis um, without a roof, mm-hmm. we should say. Um, what is a monocoque and why does it sound so funny? Uh, why are you asking me that? You're the engineer here. <laughs> <laughs> You're going to answer that one, bitch. <laughs> uh, it's, it's, it basically means like kind of single structure. Yeah. It's the first unified piece of structure that was a chassis. So prior to this, all cars had been, and many were still after, built with a ladder frame, which is essentially picture literally a ladder connecting the front and the rear of the car, the, the two axles, and the body was plopped on top of that. Yeah. And nowadays, all production passenger cars are made with this monocoque or unibody design where the uh, ladder frame is no more and the body is the frame as well. So it's much stronger and lighter and better. Right. Thanks. You're welcome. <laughs> oh, and, and the answer to the other part was it sounds funny because it's French. Right. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Good. I was about to say. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, and I want to talk about this one as well because, um, because I want to. Um, so third on our list is a Citroen Traction Avant. Um, when was that? So that's 1934. Okay. It's when it first debuted, um, and it was in production for I think about 20 years. I think 1957 was yeah 1957. So 20 23 years. Um, it was in production. This had the first unibody roofed uh, chassis. Okay. Um, so that's that is significant, um, but it had. So there were three innovations with this car. It was Jeez. it was the sorry, <clears throat> Jeez. what? <laughs> yeah, right. Um, well, uh, we should edit in some like audience gasps. Like, <laughs> <That's>, <laughs> maybe um, a gasp in uh, French. Yeah, le gasp. Le- <laughs> yeah, he's such a dumbass. <laughs> um, so the unibody roof was one, front wheel drive was another, and four wheel independent suspension was the third. Those are a lot of firsts. That's a lot of extremely significant firsts. And extremely expensive firsts. Yes. Um, and it was... Thank you. <laughs> you got my back in this. <laughs> Segway. Um, so, 1935, Citroen declared bankruptcy because the production of this car was so expensive. But Michelin stepped in and were like, you know what, we quite like this car, so we're going to help you. So, um, they... and I mean, it sold... It sold uh, 760,000 cars from in that 23-year life. That's and that's a like, lot. It's a lot yeah. considering that, it, yes, it was on a production a production line, but it wasn't, you know, there, was no, there weren't any robots or there wasn't technology making yeah. these vehicles. It was all hand-built, yeah. if, even if it was production. So that's quite insane. Um, and this car is like known as the Model T of Europe. Yeah. Um, because of its significance and, and where it was everywhere. Its design was amazing. So it was designed by André Lefebvre. I think that's how you say it. Can you say it again? No, I cannot. <laughs> Lefebvre. Uh, God, I can't do French. And Flaminio <laughs> Bertoni. Um, and uh, fun fact, it's made over 1,300 film and TV appearances Damn. in its lifespan. Its lifespan. the in most... Since it came out, yeah, actually. Yeah. That's fair. So, um, yeah, a lot of gangster cars, like film noir, loads of French used French cinema well. used it as like a, it's, it's kind of a menacing looking car in if, in all black. It's like stuff. a baby Packard slash Cadillac. Yeah, kind of basically, thing. basically. Yeah. And like we were just looking at pictures of the Roadster, the coupe version. It literally, literally looks like a, a 30s streamline yeah. like kind of car. It's it amazing. Good. It's beautiful. So, that's one of the most significant cars, um, I think on the list if we're going to say most significant but one of them uh, you go next okay um, this comes one year after 1935 another French company Peugeot um, saw the uh, Citroën's first mass produced unibody with a roof and they're like you know what we're going to take that roof off so <laughs> Peugeot debuted in 1935 with a 401 Eclipse the first ever retractable hardtop convertible thanks Peugeot yeah I mean, I mean <laughs> I don't personally like hardtop convertibles, do you? I fucking hate so. them. <laughs> I think you can like, like, okay, I actually want to talk about this in another episode, but why would yeah. you get a car that's convertible and hide the fact that it's convertible from everyone? Isn't it meant to be more glamorous and expensive? Well, with the top up, I think they look better as a hardtop. It's, it's just, it's, it's, you know what it is? It's a talk for another time. It is. <laughs> we're we're uh, uh, giving uh, clues to future episodes. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah cool. Thanks, Peugeot. Um, I don't want it. Yeah, and then uh, we were kind of 
noticing the fact that most of the, the names on this list are either French or American, which is pretty mm. impressive, I think. It's pretty cool. Um, so the next one is American, and that's in 1939. Oldsmobile debuted a very important invention, the automatic transmission. I've never heard of it. <laughs> well, <laughs> I was going to say, I don't think there's ever been a cooler name for an automatic transmission since it was invented, because Oldsmobile called theirs the Hydromatic. Popularized by the film Grease. Was it? Yes, do you... No. Yeah. You know, that is in the song Grease Lightning. Ah. Um. Hydromatic. <laughs> yeah, okay. Yeah, Don Travolta invented that automatic gearbox. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, that was pretty epic. Pretty tight. Um... You want, you want me to keep rambling off the American ones for Honestly, a little bit? because it's, it's your... Perfect, because these are my people. Yeah, exactly. Uh, one year later, Packard. You can tell we're really in kind of the, the golden age of American automotive innovation here. Packard, in 1940, debuts the first car with air conditioning. Oh, and that's pretty epic, because again, these are substantial inventions that are with us today. Well, and Packard, like, at the time, were kind of like the Rolls Royce of America, in that, in that era, anyway. Yeah. So, like, it's cool, like... That's cool. Yeah. And the other thing was we, we took a couple off this list. We kept it at 25, but yeah. American car companies also debuted things like the first in-car radio. Yeah. Um, a, a lot of, like, convenience things were, were from yeah. America. Yeah, 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 for sure. Um, the next one we have uh, is a 10-year uh, hiatus here for innovation. I guess they were all just busy. Um, fighting the war. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that, you didn't think that, of that? No, I didn't. Spencer! <laughs> not well, you went that. to lay into the war, so that would make sense. Yeah. Um, <laughs> right. <laughs> After the war, in 1951, Chrysler, with the Imperial, gives us power steering. And you can imagine how much that must have been needed by 1951 when these American yeah. cars were weighing like tons. Tons. Yeah. Yeah. So that, that's kind of nice. Um, yeah. So, so, so dainty little women can drive cars now. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and then with the birth of the uh, Corvette in 1953, mm. we simultaneously got not only one of our poster child iconic sports cars... But we saw the first car with a composite body. Fiberglass. Is, yeah, fiberglass. Ooh. Which is, I mean, I guess if you're thinking about like fiberglass body cars, you're like, oh, there's a curse or a blessing. Um, <laughs> but at yeah. the time, a blessing. Yeah, I mean, sure. I mean, composites today, you know, are, are now synonymous with carbon fiber, yep. Formula One, yep. aviation. Or carbotanium. Carbotanium Ooh, for Pagani. Pagani. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, this was a huge deal because previously bodies had been, you know, usually steel, and incredibly heavy. So mm-hmm. for a, a sports car to come out with this ultralight, um, you know, plastic-based body was then a really cutting-edge thing. Uh, right. It was very cool. They were like, let's be less safe, but we'll be faster. Yeah, exactly. Which, uh, But on. not faster, because they apparently drove like us. But it still accelerated faster. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. Um, and this is one of my favorite cars, but I'm going to let you do it, because we're back in Europe now for the list. Sure. So uh, number nine is uh, 1954, the Mercedes 300 SL, one of the most beautiful cars ever made, one of the best sounding cars ever made, um, Had the was the first car with direct fuel injection. That is pretty epic. Isn't that fun? I mean, what st- like strikes me here is so fun. the fact that they came out in 1954, and yeah. it wasn't until like the early to mid-2000s that we heard of it again. You know, yeah. for, for petrol cars, yeah. for gasoline. Diesel direct injection had been around forever. Yeah. But for a gasoline direct injection car, for Mercedes to do that like 60 plus right. years ago. And it seems like a lot of these things came out not out of necessity, but just out of curiosity, which is super interesting. Um, yeah. And now it seems like things are being innovated and created and because like, oh shit, the planet's about to explode. Let's, yeah. like, we should probably try and be a bit more... Right. Uh, you know, innovative. Um, so super interesting. Yeah. Super cool. And we think it's the first car with gullwing doors. We're pretty sure. Yeah. Like, I mean, it's probably like name another car with gullwing doors. SLS. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Okay. yeah. Um, and did the 962C race car have uh, gullwing doors? Uh, they most wing? race cars had like those kind the of wing. butterfly doors. It's a butterfly yeah, doors. Yeah, yeah. Okay, never mind. Yeah. Um, I want to do the next one as yeah, well. So ahead. this is... Um, the follow-up for the Traction of On yeah. is the Citroen DS. Love it. Uh, so it was the first car to have uh, disc brakes and four-wheel hydro-pneumatic suspension, so air suspension. Um, it also had swiveling headlights in later editions, which is, so like basically the headlights would turn yeah. according to where that's so the cool. steering wheel. And I'm thinking like that's actually, qu- that must be quite a simple pres- like mechanically to do that. Yeah, I don't know how they did it. Because it's just linked to the steering wheel. Probably, 
I, it depends on what kind of ratio they did. Yeah. Like, have you ever driven a car with that, like a new car? No, no. It's honestly Weird. amazing. Is it? Yeah. Is, if, if that could be odd. No, my dad had um this. It, so my dad had a Citroen C five, uh, from I think about ten years ago now, and it had it it, it wouldn't the headlights wouldn't turn, but like there would be like an extra illuminated bit on the side depending okay. on which way you were turning. Okay. Which so similar kind of thing, but no, I haven't actually driven one. I've been a passenger in one. Awesome. It's pretty cool. Um, so um, this is a mechanically innovative car, but also the design is beyond iconic. Yeah. It like completely. It shifted the game in nineteen. So nineteen fifty four is when it came out. No, nineteen fifty five. Sorry, was when it first debuted. Um, really fun. Um, so it, it debuted at the Paris Motor Show, and as a uh, as a promotion like campaign, they got like some like 20 or 30 cars to just drive around Paris like right before it happened so people on the street were like what the fuck is that why is there a spaceship here um and it worked amazingly because on the first day there were 12,000 orders wow that's, that's awesome insane so it was really cool um so obviously it looks like a spaceship um and instead of like the this was like it was major in like the rocket era of like mm-hmm. uh, like car design especially yeah, in America space like age. the space age kind of like you know, Rocket Worlds and all that shit. Um, but it was, like, the one that looked like it was flying. So, like, uh, Roland Barthes, he's, like, a French structuralist, um, he he, looked, he he said, uh, he quote, quote, it's obvious that the car fell from the sky, end quote. I, I think it's so that. fucking cool, isn't it? That. It's really, really, really cool. Um, but this was also designed by the same people who did the Traction of One. So, uh, Batoni and the Fevre. Of course. Yeah. yeah. I mean, um, this was this the this was the pinnacle of, of Citroën, yeah? Citroën. Those two, those two cars, I think, are the most, like, they define the whole brand to yeah. me. Um, and, I mean, they've, like, modern day Citroëns, like, I think they've kind of fallen out with their design. Like, there's a DS stuff, which is kind of like, meh. Like, I, I well, their concept it. cars are always amazing. They are always very fucking cool. They spend a lot of time and money on like concept cars, but it, like it felt like the tw- the with the Citroen C six, which was just wild, yeah. like for its time, and then that kind of influenced C five. Um, but yeah, these two cars are like beyond iconic, and the DS also showed up in a bunch of films and TV because it was that iconic. Um, so yay, Citroen D- DS. Um, yeah, there's one in Oxford. I want to steal it. Yeah, the black one. <laughs> yeah, it's beautiful. Yeah, it's um, next one for you. You talked about the that right not that i wasn't listening but um i mentioned it the okay, pneumatic yeah. suspension yeah, yeah. um that could be lowered or raised depending yeah. on if you want to be cool didn't the ds have hydraulic everything like suspension power steering yeah, yeah even yeah, the yeah. windows were hydraulically yeah. powered i think right yeah yeah I and mean, that's just amazing so like so how much hydraulic uh like mechanics <laughs> you want yeah. in this car yes yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah actually i think even the headlight swiveling was probably hydraulic. <laughs> probably yeah probably very cool. epic yeah um okay the next car on this list um is called the daf uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's this super tiny company uh, from Austria, I believe, that had the first ever continuously variable transmission, uh, CVT gearbox, <laughs> <laughs> and episodes over. <laughs> yeah, instant boner. Um, um, why is that significant, Spencer? Well, in the ever increasing. Uh, quest for fuel economy and efficiency and whatnot, a couple car manufacturers um, are looking at CVTs for use in their hybrid vehicles, mm-hmm. um, and even their non-hybrid vehicles. Mm-hmm. I can't name any off the top of my head because I'm not that good of a journalist, but I think Gosh, the <laughs> there, there are Toyota and Honda models, mm-hmm. like maybe the Prius or versions of, you know, their small economy cars that have CVT transmissions. Mm-hmm. And basically, instead of shifting gears audibly... It's one gear ratio, and it has, like, a belt that just kind of slips to a different ratio. It's yeah. really weird. Okay. Um, so awesome. when you accelerate, you just hear the engine at constant RPM, but yet you're somehow wafted oh, forward. Oh, yes. Yeah. Okay. I hate, I hate that experience. Yeah. It's a very bizarre thing. Weird. It's it's smooth, but it's, yeah. It takes the mechanics out of... Yeah. Or the kind of... Uh, the feeling of mechanics out of the driving experience. Yeah. Oh, I hate that. Yeah. Um, so was this developed in the DAF for, for that? Uh, no, it had been around long before that, um, okay. and for like uh, military applications, I think. Okay, yeah, that makes um, sense. Like, yeah, and off-road stuff, yeah. yeah the, the DAF was 
I thought, <clears throat> the first car to use it, although I have just seen there's apparently a make called Kleino, UK car company, <laughs> who in the 1920s claimed to have done that already. Anyways, um, it's too late to correct it now. It's set in stone. Yeah, so, and we are the authority. <laughs> we are the so. authority, so daff it is. Yeah, daff it is. Um, uh, here's, here's another cool one. Uh, one year after that, 1959, Volvo gave us the three-pointed seatbelt. Mm-hmm. That is another invention that is with us today, and um, hugely important, I would say. So safety has been in uh, Volvo's remit for 60 years now. It has been synonymous. So with when you get run over Volvo. by a Volvo, you'll just love it. <laughs> like thank you my yeah. day is much better now I've been hit by a Volvo right <laughs> yeah um, I think that's awesome I love Volvo cool. and yeah. um, that's kind of this is like when they started you know going after safety uh, yeah. well not when they started but this is basically when they became known for yeah. leaders in safety yeah for sure um, yeah. Like, can you imagine like I know that like there's so many American cars like in from like the 40s and 50s that just don't have seatbelts and it's like how could you go around in a car on a highway without a seatbelt, it blows my tits yeah. clean off. Because my dad's got a Packard Super 8 from 1948. doesn't have seatbelts. Yeah. And I'm like, it's got a 9-litre something straight yeah. 8 tank engine, basically. Yeah. Owned by nuns in California. Quite fun. Um, and I'm like, it doesn't go very fast, certainly. But the body rolls like no other. Yeah. And I'm just like, I, I'm, I, I genuinely I hate going in it because I feel so <laughs> unsafe. It's just not made for British roads because it's the size of a bus. And it feels like everything's going to touch you and it just doesn't do corners. So, yeah. um, it's, I mean, it's hilarious. But I just, seatbelts, who'd, who'd have thunk? That A world be... without seatbelts is hard to imagine. Right, and that's 19, was it 58? 59? 59. Yeah, 59. Yeah. That's a lot of years of car production without seatbelts. Yeah, and like, they, did have, they had lap belts, you know. Sure, lap, Like the, sure. the two-point seatbelts around before then. So that's not... Yeah. Um, no, I mean, race cars, you know, up until I think the, the mid-50s as well didn't have seatbelts. Wild. Yeah. I mean, no imagine being so in, a, in a Grand Prix car, like a Formula One car. And a 250F, no seatbelts. Yeah. No seat well, you know, in the, back in the day when car, they had crashes and rolled all the time, they preferred to not wear seatbelts because they thought they were safer being thrown out of the car if it rolled over. That was their that logic. That is psycho. Yeah. I can almost see the logic, but I don't want to. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, I mean, if someone shit. said, like, you know, like, basically, stand on top of this giant box of metal with no roll structure and, and no anything, I think I'd, I'd rather take my chances being thrown out of it um, than yeah, staying. Then if that rolls, you're dead for sure, if you stay in For it. sure. Yeah. Yeah. I guess there's, like, a panic also of, like, being stuck in a car because you can't undo the seatbelt. Yeah. Um, Anywho, that's a lot of negativity. Yikes. I'm depressing. <laughs> I'm um, this is one of my favorite recent discoveries. I was trying to think, like, okay, what's the earliest mid-engine car we can think of? And the Mira is the one that immediately comes to mind. Mm-hmm. Um, but shortly before the Mira, in fact, uh, four years before the Mira, in 1962, uh, we were given the first ever mid-engined production car. The Matra Jet. I think that's pronounced right. It's D-J-E-T. Right. Uh, Matra is a company with an insane history. They've been the automotive. They've been arms dealers. They've been yeah. like making munitions and stuff. They've done everything. Incredible Le Mans cars. Yeah, amazing race cars. Um, amazing, those funky... Oh, no, that's Tatra. My bad. Never mind. Um, <laughs> scratch that. So um, We're so good at yeah, this. Yeah, yeah. We are. So good at this. Um, yeah, so that was the first ever mid-engine car. It was, like, slow as shit. It had, like, 80 horsepower or something. That's still um, my car. <laughs> <laughs> that's sad. Yeah, that's um, sad. Maybe it had 60. Anyways, it looked super cool. It looked very similar to the Alpine A110, which came almost immediately after that. Yeah. So I'm sure they shared a lot of kind of... Possibly, yeah. Insp- ...inspiration or something. Yeah, sure. Um, yeah. Um, I'm going to interrupt you. Yeah. Because we didn't mention the Mini Cooper, and I'm sorry that has to be mentioned. <laughs> That has to be mentioned. Yeah. Um, so that came out in 1959. That was when the first edition of it came out. Um, and it's kind of, it's super interesting this time period because like loads of kind of super mini cars came out uh, during the fuel crisis during the Suez Canal fuel shortage. So Germany really invested in like bubble cars. So like the BMW oh, Isetta. The Messerschmitt. Hilarious. Yes. Hilarious. Like amazing. I, did the PLP 50 come out this time as well? <sighs> It may have. It may have. Yeah. Well, we I'll won't check, check but you can. <laughs> okay, <laughs> suppose you check while I uh, talk. 
So like, and a Fiat Five Hundred like came out um in Italy and like came out before the Mini, um but the Mini was the, like the one sixty uh, two. Okay, so sort of on the cusp of it, but anyway, um so the Mini wasn't particularly innovative innovative in terms of like creating new mechanical like there was no one gizmos. specific thing yeah right however it was like an absolute masterclass in packaging yeah so it was obviously front engine front wheel drive with a transverse engine yeah um which gave so much space on the inside uh for everyone and everything yeah um so massive shout out to them plus i just want to say most um like great cars are not the first thing Yes. Like they're not the first to introduce something, they're the well, yeah, first exactly. one to get it right. Exactly, exactly. Um, I also want to give a small asterisk shout out to the Citroen 2CV slash Beetle because yeah. they were they were kind of they weren't made in conjunction with one another, but all. they came out at the same time. And they were <laughs> the both they had the same ethos of a people's car. Yeah. Um and the funnest fact about the two C V so two C V means uh, it, it literally means two ho- uh, steam horses. Du chevaux. Two uh, horses. Two uh, du chevaux, uh, whatever, vapeur. Oh. So that's what that means. That okay. is a shout out to Renault's very first car, which was the Renault Voiturette 1CV, yeah. um, which literally means Renault little car, one steam horse, um, <laughs> which is hilarious. <laughs> it's so great, isn't it? Um, and so like Super Minis, they kind of really started with like the Beetle and the, uh, the 2CV. And the TCV was made from the 30s until, like, 1990. 3.2 million cars, I think, were made. It's just one of the like coolest crazy. cars of all time. Yeah. Because it's and so, like... There's hardly anything to it. Yeah. Like, it's pretty much made of plastic. Yeah. And you can almost tip it over just by rocking it. Yeah. Um, but it's it's one of the coolest cars ever. Tin snail. Yeah. Love it. <laughs> um, so, sorry. Back to the list now. No worries. Um, all right. Sense. We are in 1962 now. With the Oldsmobile Jetfire, the mm-hmm. first passenger car with a turbocharged engine. And I'm pretty sure it was a V8, too. Was it? Yeah. I love, a tur- awesome. I love an old turbo V8. Yeah. I hate the new turbo V8s because they suck, but like old, like... Yeah, we were talking the other day about like turbocharged um, engines and if, if like the old way of turbocharging is, is more exciting than the new one. This would have yes. been one of the old ones where it's probably like no power, no power, no power, and then like oh my god, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, for sure, for yeah. sure, we love that, we love awesome. to see it. Yeah. Um, and then the next car, lucky you, uh, is the Lamborghini Miura, which um is pegged as the very first supercar. Yeah, nineteen sixty six. That shape comes around. Okay, we've seen mid engine cars before. Sure. For four years at this point, mm-hmm. but nothing like the Miura. Nope. Nothing with a V twelve. Transverse mounted. Um, the, the coolest thing I think about the mirror is the way that it was developed and shown to the audience. Yeah. So, um, Mr. Lamborghini was. <laughs> Ferruccio. Yes, Ferruccio <laughs> was not a fan of racing cars. Um, he only wanted to build kind of luxury, sporty cars. And that's why all Lamborghinis up until this time had been front engine V12, mm-hmm. you know, competing with the, kind of the Ferrari 330 GT mm-hmm. era. Um, his engineers at the time, who are all much younger than him, like, I think they were in their mid-twenties, mm. started doing this just, like, in their off time, basically. And they came around to, uh, I think they were coming up on the Turn Motor Show, and they showed Ferruccio this bare chassis, like, it was just a steel chassis, four wheels on it, and this giant V12 in the middle, <laughs> Sideways, yes. <laughs> like, can we build this? And he was like, hmm, yeah, I'm interested. Yeah, so basically, like, take it to the show, see what people think. Wow, they got orders, of course, as soon as people saw that with no body on it. The people had no idea what the car would look like. All they saw was that engine shoehorned into the middle of that little two door, two seat chassis. That's, that's hilarious. And they were like, yeah, I want amazing. One. Yeah, like, I swear to God, some of the best cars have come out of like r- crazy, like, motor show situations yeah. like the e-type in the geneva motor show like it had to be driven from jaguar the where it was built in like with the time crunch and it was had to be like rushed there and it made it on time and then it just wowed <laughs> everyone and the ds and this and it's like right we need more like publicity stunts like this where there's like a sort of like made the car legendary before it's even seen right. kind of thing that's so cool. huge and yeah. think about how funny is it like some of the biggest publicity moments for 
the world's most recognized manufacturers have come from like a couple little you know skunk work yeah. engineering teams and not the PR department. Yeah, exactly. Like passion projects. Yeah. Like secret passion projects. Yeah. I it, love that. Really... So like, what would you say constitutes a supercar in the like? What makes this Miura supercar and not say like the two fifty GTO or uh, other vehicles? Yeah, that's <laughs> Aston a good Martin DB four or DB five or something. Like, yeah. what? Why are they not? Why are they sports cars and not supercars? I think one of the biggest things was the um, kind of the, the overall packaging of the yeah. car. So, you know, up until this point, every fast car um, had still been front engine mm-hmm. and, and usually rear wheel drive. The FR. So they, yeah, they yeah. had that classic, you know, silhouette with the long hood, yep. sloping rear roof line. Yep, and there is nothing wrong with that. There's absolutely nothing wrong with oh, it. Oh, it's beautiful. Um, but then I think to, to have this, you know, dynamically superior chassis balance mm-hmm. come out. Yeah. Um, with really obviously with with performance being the top priority um and that you know v12 again mm. in the middle of the car i think that's kind of why most people see the mirror as the birth of the supercar yeah. well yeah and i think just the spectacle of it because even though the i think the the bonnet the front bonnet of the car is actually longer than the rear because like when i was growing up i don't think i actually realized it was mid-engined because <laughs> because, because of the transverse nature of it it, it, it doesn't look immediately in the same way like Countach looks or a, or a Diablo which is basically like almost a sheer front um, yeah. towards the end um, but I think like it, it definitely looks different proportionately um, to like the to, like for, like the Ferraris and Aston Martins of the same um, time period um, yeah that's fair the other thing is you know the spectacle. the front of the mirror and the whole car really is just so low yeah. which was another big deal back then because yeah. it was the first time you had nothing you know, that you needed to have a big, like a tall hood around. Yeah. So the right. whole front of the car is just sunken down really yeah. well. God, I love that car. Yeah. And the, and the, the racing one. Yeah. The J. Yeah. Oh my God. That is Epic. like the fit of the wheels. The stance is just fat. I have you it. seen the, the Eddie Van Halen's one-off? No. Oh my God. It's like, Ooh. it's bright red. It's like a mix of like, SV and SVJ Mira Ooh. body work on it, and it's got the coolest wheels on it ever. Google Muy it. Bien. Yeah. Okay, I'll look it up. Yeah. And the song Panama um, has a car revving in the recording. They backed his Mira into the recording studio and revved the engine. So Shut when, up. You, when you listen to that's Panama amazing. and you hear that, that's a Mira. Oh. Yeah, that belongs to it. I love belonged that. to Eddie Van Halen. Fuck yeah. Yeah. I love this. <laughs> um, okay, the next car has been like teabagged historically <laughs> basically and I'm so happy to be talking about this but you can talk about it it's because you like being teabagged yeah I love it <laughs> the whole reason I play card <laughs> Jensen Jensen Button. coming through no oh. that's Jensen isn't it yeah yeah this is Jensen okay. so uh, purveyors of the Interceptor with the Jensen FF um, we'll talk about why that's quite hilarious in a second. Um, but the first road car... Do you remember what it stood for? No. Oh, um, Ferguson, Ferguson something. Ferguson the, Formula. Yeah, because the engine came from a Ferguson track. No, there's the all-wheel drive system. Yes, sorry. Not the engine. Yeah. I think they have Rover V8s or something. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, right. Um, so it's the first car with all-wheel drive. That was There, there was a, a sort of car that came up with all-wheel drive. But it was four tons and had 60 horsepower and it was barely a car. Um, <laughs> so we're not going to include that. This is the first one that, in, that like... First production road yeah. car that people would actually buy. Yeah, so this is 1966. Same year as Amira. Same year as Amira. Imagine seeing these two on the road and be like... Imagine. Yeah. Yeah. Crazy. <laughs> it's really, really crazy. Um, so, uh, I mean, I think the... We sort of said that the Quattro system from Audi really... Kind of, it was it was more that showcased exactly what four wheel drive could do and why it was beneficial with the rally stages and like how it just fucked everything up. Yeah, in the rally I mean, stages. the fact that you know the Jensen had to get a tractor company to give them a showed the drive interest system. in right. four drive systems <laughs> at the time. Um, yeah. But I mean, the, I think the reason the reason we find this so hilarious. So it it it, it kind of has an interceptor shape in that it's like a normal shooting brake. Yeah. Kind of GT design. It's four wheel drive. It's called an FF. Ferrari also produced a car <laughs> that was a shooting brake, full drive, called the FF. 
And I want this to be an accident. Yeah. Because and, to be, and for Ferrari to be like, oh, shit. Dude. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Someone's about to get fired. Fuck. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's just awesome. It's hilarious. So Jensen, you know what? If Jensen come back because of our podcast, yeah, they can sponsor us. Can I insert the little uh, footnote here on the, the history of all-wheel drive cars? could do. The first ever truly all-wheel drive car was built by none other than Ferdinand of Porsche. Uh, in 1900, the loaner Porsche was the first ever all-wheel drive car. I don't think they made like more than one of them, so it doesn't really count on this list. Mm. Um, but it was also the first electric car. Or one of. So, those two very significant So, the Taycan. The Taycan is building on a, a rich history of electric, all-wheel drive, overly heavy vehicles. <laughs> <laughs> overly heavy, yes. Yeah, yeah that's pretty cool. And I think the fact that the Jensen was the first car with any ABS system yeah. uh, is also super cool. Oh, what the... Historically, teabag. Yeah. That's what I'm saying, yeah. man. Like, yeah. it's so... It's so... It's like, Jensen, you just don't think of as being innovative. No. Like, or Not forward thinking. You kind of think of it as like a low, lazy GT. Yeah. Beautiful stunning vehicles. I mean, to be fair, that might have been the only two things they had. Possibly. But it doesn't to, matter. Both two the, both two things that are like almost universal now. Yeah. Almost yeah, it's hugely way. impressive. But ABS for sure is. Yeah. And that ABS system was um, like, you know, really, really rudimental. It was sure. mechanical, so there wasn't even like wow. a, an electronic. Yeah. That probably didn't work. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it came off of aircrafts, apparently. Started in the 1940s. Hilarious. Yeah. Um, so that's why Mercedes often claims to have invented the modern day ABS system. Because um, Mercedes and Bosch debuted, I think it was in the 70s, mm. the first, you know, proper ABS system with a computer brain that could actually see what yes. wheels were pulsating and stuff, yeah. Right. Um, but yeah, you know, kudos to Jensen. Tight. Yeah. I just want to talk about the next one. Yeah. Which is um, the Simca 111 Ti from 1973. This is widely known as the first hot hatch. Damn. Um, and, it's, and it's something I wasn't even aware of until today. Same. Until I researched it. I'm still um, not aware of it. I'm still... Enlighten I'm, me. I'm, not, I'm trying not to be aware of it. <laughs> no, it's, it's a pretty tight looking car. And uh, was it, did it have 70 horsepower? Something like that. Something like 70 that. Or 80. Um, so not exactly hot, more tepid. Um, in the on the in the heat scale, but it was it was the first like small packaged car to be, um, designed for some sort of speed, and joyous, joyous small driving, joyous small driving. Yes, yeah. um, how whilst this was the first, I would put more importance on the uh, Golf GTI I'd Mark that. One from nineteen seventy four, nineteen seventy four, nineteen seventy six. Wait, let me check it. Let me check my notes. So either that's that's very quick. I don't have it in my notes. <laughs> so Simca comes out with that in nineteen seventy three. Uh-huh. And then one to three laters after that It's it's three, it's at seventy six. Okay, so then we get the GTI, yeah. which I would agree, you know, most people say that's like the beginning of the hot hatch. Right. So like Simca they did Sim Simco? Simca. 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 Right, they came up with the original recipe, Volkswagen perfected it. Exactly. Um, and that's, I think that's more important in my mind um, for what comes next afterwards. Like, you know, the, the Peugeot uh, 10, uh, sorry, 205 GTI yeah. and the Clear Williams, all of those like historic hot hatches, they build upon GTI, not Simca. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I also just love the development story of the Golf GTI. I, I just I just told you about this. It was, it's just awesome. Um, so, uh, Volkswagen, uh, the the board uh, of, of Volkswagen in the 70s were not interested in making a fast hot hatch because they made a fast Beetle uh, like a few years before and it was a massive flop. Um, I, no wonder why. It. I wonder why it was just <laughs> fucking dangerous basically um, um, it's hilarious that there was a hot beetle before there was a hot golf um, which, which lends credence to the idea of a beetle GTI these days <laughs> anyway ridiculous, ridiculous. Um, so uh, two engineers uh, oh sorry one thing you just reminded me about okay. remember the new beetle yeah when it died in like a couple years when was it 2015 or 2014 yeah, yeah. Remember they used to have Beetle Turbo S by the yes. time they came in? If you look at the script on those cars, it's almost identical to the Porsche 911 Turbo S script. For God's sake. It's not the same. <laughs> it's not the same. I know they've got such similar kind of history, but they're not the same. I mean, it's literally like same font. Hilarious. The same Do you font. remember that the uh, the first Beetle that was brought back had a, had a plant pot? Yeah. 
what yeah. the actual Why don't more is. cars have plant pots? Because you can be putting those sick G's, bro. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, uh, Anton Conrad and Alphonse Lowenberg, um, these two dudes were like, let's, I kind of want a, a, G, a Golf that will like be really good on the Autobahn, to be honest. So, they just they decided to try and design one in uh, Anton's uh, garage, which was right opposite the Volkswagen factory. The reason there's a golf ball on the top of the gear shifter is because one of them, I can't remember which one, possibly Alphonse, um, liked golfing. So it was like, oh, let's just put a golf, a fucking golf on the gear, a that golf ball on the awesome. gear shifter. Isn't that cool? Um, so they developed this like performance variant of the, of the golf in their own time. It was a very small. It, was, it wasn't just those two. It was a small team. I was thinking about eight engineers or something. Okay. And then there was like a head of engineering who was sort of like letting them do it. Who who knew about it and was like, mm, this seems pretty cool to me. So you just do it. And they basically like presented it once it was finished to the board, and they were like, yeah, go on then. Cool. Um, and there you go. And so the reason it's got a red grill is because um, on autobahns. If uh, you're in a fast car and you see a golf coming up behind you, you're not gonna pull. You're not gonna like move across to the left because you're like, oh, it's just a golf. But be- because the re- the red grill gave it like the signifier that it was a fucking fast. That was move the, the, the move over, please. Basically, yeah. isn't that the coolest thing ever? It's that's yeah, awesome. I that's fucking amazing. love that. So yeah, GTI, the first perfected, like. You know what? What is that? The birth of revised like front fascias for high performance variants possibly range. possibly that is so front cool. fascia especially yeah because yeah, I know like uh, like I think the 205 GTI has like little like things on the side on the B pillar I think mm-hmm. um, but yeah I think that is yeah because oh, the red so cool. line, isn't that so cool yeah that's fucking radical so um, uh, the Golf GTI has another shout out of having the first red front fascia <laughs> Bravo. Oh, so Bravo. Wow. <laughs> hey, you know oh, what? Those, uh, uh, red trim uh, things. What? My car. Oh yeah. Thanks GTI. Wow. Yeah. Big yeah, thanks. Big I mean, thanks. Volkswagen as a company, like I would say, recognized first for the Beetle, mm-hmm. and right after that, probably the GTI. I'd say yeah. so. It was like Common Gear, which was quite nice, but and that was a rear-engined thing. Common Gear. Wasn't it? Oh, the Karma Gear. Yeah, it was. Yeah, but, yeah. I mean, that's not, not people, quite as legendary. It's, yeah. it's lovely. Not I think many it's people a beautiful know car, it. but it's yeah. not... Yeah, I think it's Beetle, Golf, everything else. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, cool. Um, sick. Okay, so, for uh, number 18 on our list, we're, we're getting close to the end here. Mm-hmm. Um, we go back to the States, the US of A, where we have General Motors. Yeah, States of America. <laughs> <laughs> um, GM, in 1973... Offer airbags for the first time in a car. You could get them as options in Cadillacs, Chevys, and Buicks for the 1973 model year. I think that's pretty awesome. That's pretty cool. Um, And then uh, just zooming back to Italy real quick, number 19 on the list, Alfa Romeo Spider in 1980. This was hilarious because you and I were both looking over this list and going, Wow, there's like Alfa doesn't have anything yeah. really innovative, do they? Yeah. And we couldn't think of any until no. <laughs> <laughs> just randomly scrolling, 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 and I see. Yeah. <laughs> Alfa Romeo Spider, nineteen eighty, is the first car with variable valve timing, first production car. Yeah. That is shocking because yeah. variable valve timing is everywhere now. We we importante. Yeah, and I don't know what budget Alfa was working with back then, but it couldn't have been. Uh, what year was it? Nineteen eighty. Mm. Yeah, I'm not yeah. sure either. It's hugely impressive. Anyways, yeah. I thought that was really cool. And and Alfron, they didn't invent the trans the transaxle, but they are the chief purveyors of it, kind of historically. Mm. Um, so that's I don't know. I, that's not that's not worthy to go on this list because it's like they just yeah they just used it a lot basically, and yeah. I'm like that's cool. Go go yeah. go ahead. Um, so yeah, cool. We we did wonder if they had made the first car that could be truly lusted after. Yeah, um, but that's and, and wanked over. Not the first, no. Not the first, yeah. No. Yeah. Okay. But um, you know, it's it's objective, but it's worth yeah. it's worth the mention. Yeah, yeah, shut up. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, um, the next one is ridiculous. <laughs> um, so the very first car to have keyless entry. Wait, let me guess. It was a Mercedes S Class. You know what? It wasn't. Was it a <laughs> mm, Maybach? No. 
Uh, and it wasn't my car either. Was it a some ridiculous Cadillac? No. Do you know what it was? What? It was a Renault Fuego <laughs> from 1982. What the fuck? So okay, 80s blowing. Renaults are pretty sick. Yeah, like, they went very, like, techie, didn't they? Yeah, and, like, um, they were just some crazy. They made some crazy cars during that period, and it was really fucking yeah. rad. Like, I, I can't believe that. Hilarious. Yeah. Ridiculous. Hilarious. Um, do the next one. Next one. Um, all-wheel steering. This is something that um, I th- I'm pretty sure, like the the whole concept of rear wheel steering, it, w- it okay. So it started with the R31 Skyline in 1985. We pretty much don't really see it used very often, apart from in the Japanese car market, until like maybe 2010, like 2010s, basically, where it's pretty much more common, right? The 2010s, yeah, 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 absolutely. Yeah, um, the like, first car I can think of them making a big deal out of it. Was the nine nine one dot two GT three? Yeah, is that right? Yep, yep, yep. Yeah, yep. that's what I that's what I was thinking yeah. as well. So Andy Pruninger, motorsport division at Porsche, head development guy for the GT models, um, didn't believe in it at first. No and shit. The engineers put him in a car with it. They didn't tell him. They just said we made some suspension changes. He gets in the car, goes on the autobahn, doesn't realize it has this all wheel steering system. Comes back and he goes, "Whatever you did, it's amazing." And they're like, "That's all wheel steering." It's like, fuck! Yeah. <laughs> Shit. <laughs> Crazy. Um, so, like, so, yeah, all, all Skylines, basically, since uh, 1985, have had uh, some form of uh, rear wheel steering. And I think that's been fairly commonly known. Um, and it's also how Brian in Too Fast, Too Furious won that race at the start <laughs> because he had full, full steering. Of course. Of course. Yeah. He also drifts it a lot, I, I noticed, in that race. And I'm like, did he rear wheel drive convert it? Yeah. I feel like all-wheel steering cars would be very confusing to drift. Very confusing. And terrible at front-wheel, front-wheel drive cars, as has been seen in the <laughs> recent run of again. Yeah. Where it's just been terrible. Um, so that's pretty cool. And that's... It's kind of interesting because that's like a slow-burning innovation. Like, it seemed like a kind of like a kooky thing. But then it, they're not even that kooky because the R32 Skyline was ripped shit apart in the motorsport division. Like, in the Australian... Uh, motorsport series, it absolutely fucking tore things up. Godzilla is where it came from. Yeah. Because it absolutely ate everything to like up. Um, it's surprising and, uh, how long it took to for it to really yeah, catch you, on. Yeah, you, crazy or uh, anti orientalism or something. Anyway, um, <laughs> um, so this uh, is stupid. I, I hate <laughs> this next entry. You can talk about it. Cause I don't talk about it. Uh, so yeah, I mean, we were talking about techie cars from the eighties. Stupid. <laughs> The Buick Riviera in 1986 was the first ever production car with a touch screen. Idiotic. <laughs> what the fuck? I have no idea what it looked like or what it did. I'm, it must have... I, like, touches in punch it? I don't know. Like, I don't know. I don't know. That's I, crazy. Yeah, I can't imagine that. Um, How does that work? Yeah. Crazy. Uh, you know what? Actually, this is... Touch even for our standards, this is pretty poor reporting. So I'm going to actually Google what <laughs> yeah, it actually please, looks please, like. Please. Yeah. <laughs> I love the original Buick Riviera from the 60s. The low rider yeah. one is so okay. Wow. Look at this. It's it's mounted in the middle of the dash. Um. It, looks like a, it looks like a broken computer screen is what it looks like. Yeah, you know, it, when it goes onto like the backup like boot mode, that's crazy. The classic, just like kind of bright turquoise LCDs. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was just like a, it was a, kind of like a, Little tiny computer, vehicle status, climate yeah. control, volume buttons, of, all of it touchscreen. There's a lot of buttons you can press. That's, inc- that's actually really impressive. Wow. Yeah, that's crazy. Um, I expected to like, there's an on off button or something. Yeah. Like, oh, touchscreen. But this is actually fairly. Yeah, it actually seems like it kind of works. Um, I mean, so still kind of hates it because, you know, whatever. Um, anyway. That same year, we get another huge uh, technological first from Toyota. In 1986, they debut. The first car with a factory-installed GPS, Global Positioning System. Crazy, and yeah. operated via CD-ROM. Yeah, in 1986. Young people, do you know what a CD is? <laughs> Probably not. I mean, Fuck. That, was, that was pretty much like the standard GPS system until what, like, again, the mid-2010s? Yeah. Early to mid-2010s. Yeah. Yeah, until like so. people started using like infotainment. Yeah, you remember those like Garmin? Yeah. Navigation. Oh yeah. My grandparents had one. Yeah. They bought it at the Moscone Car Show in San Francisco. Wow. It was a big deal. 
Yeah. Wow. And they're like, now we'll know where we're going. <laughs> it's like, we have it on our phones now. It's crazy. <laughs> yeah, it is insane. Insane. Um, so, the next car. Uh, the first production car with the carbon fiber monocoque chassis mm. um, is a Jaguar XR15 from 1990. A gorgeous car with rear lights from a Rover, I think. <laughs> I think. I can't actually confirm that, but it looks like it. One of the most beautiful cars ever made. Um, best sounding cars ever made, maybe. I can't. I don't know what the V12 is in that. It's a V12. Yeah. But I, I can't. Is it? Is it? Is it another Ford composite? No, it would have been. I think it was based on Jags V12. Okay. Oh right, the XJR. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Right. So not like the XJ220. No. That which was a V6. Right. From a Monday. XJR, another proper supercar. I mean, purely made for motorsport. Omologato yes. to the, with a capital O. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. it's fucking rad. Um, and that's laid the way for McLaren and their monocoque chassis. Like, yeah. They're using every single car they have since the very beginning, since the MP4-12C. Right. Um, and I assume F1 had a monocoque chassis. Mm-hmm. Yeah? Yeah. Yeah. The, <laughs> can you imagine the disappointment off the back of the Jag XJR15 to mm. a couple years later, the XJ220, which is again promised with an amazing V12 engine and all-wheel drive, yeah. and then it comes out and it's just... The V6, uh, yeah. with insane turbo lag, yeah. and also the chassis, this is hilarious, I saw this the other day, um, the, the chassis was uh, initially developed on a transit van like structure, like what the fuck? Hilarious. But that is also, like, very British, and I'm very proud of that. It's like McLaren F1. Like, you remember, like, um, Gordon Murray was talking about how, like, a, like he got the front lights from Halfords or something yeah. stupid. Like, I love that so much. And then he charged millions for it. And I was like, oh, you... Well, no, but actually, no. He didn't charge millions for it to begin with, but it was very expensive. Yeah. And it was like, here's some lights from... Headlights from Halfords. <laughs> Hilarious. Yeah. Um, and the last entry on this list, which actually blew our tits clean off. Yeah. Absolutely blew our mind. Mine are still gone. Um, yeah, I can see. You're know, white naked. Um, <laughs> the very first DSG gearbox, dual clutch transmission, came from a Volkswagen Golf R32 from 2003. So that is the Mark IV Golf with the V6, the V... Uh, VR6. VR6 engine, yeah. yeah. Um, that is wild. It's mind-blowing. <laughs> mind-blowing. Like, absolutely yeah. insane. Um, and I just saw a video of it, like, and it, of course it's nothing like the, you know, PDK or whatever. So, uh, but wait, didn't you have an interesting fact about PDK? Yeah. So, um, the the dual clutch gearbox thing you know, was actually first like, really run an automotive application by Porsche uh-huh. in the nine five six this car <laughs> Le Mans car in the early eighties, um, the first ever PDK transmission. And it's literally called PDK. Yeah, it's called it? PDK. That's uh, so cool. And then it was also used in the Quattro. S1? Yes, Audi, Quattro, um, again, yeah, the S1, the, the rally car. The one with the stupid wings and all that kind yeah, of stuff, which yeah. is Le Gendry. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the Golf R32, and now it is one of the most overused, unnecessarily, <laughs> yes. um, pieces, like, in, in old performance cars today, um, if you want a fast, if you, like, God, it's irritating how necessary, like, DSG gearboxes have become for... Um, everything, like, performance-based. It's all part of that whole, like, drag race package, isn't it? Yeah, and, you know, it's... The, the shift times are amazing, and everything... The, the experience is awesome, but they're very heavy units. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah. yeah. Um, so, that about wraps up... That's our it. ...important cars. Uh, Ford Mustang, I will say, like, the 64 Ford Mustang. Not especially important in terms of, like, technological innovation, but it is in terms of defining the pony car and letting that kind of creating that formula for a small car heavily customizable sporty or sporty oriented um so shout yeah. out that's an honorable mention i guess all right it's fine if you're having an honorable mention then i want to have one too sure mine's gonna the be porsche, the porsche <laughs> 911 <laughs> oh, finally great yeah. well really i guess you want to say the porsche 356 that was the first that, that car is both an uh, really testament to stubbornness in engineering mm-hmm. and True. packaging as well. We were talking about how cool the Mini is for its packaging. Yeah. The, the Porsche is another cool one. Yeah. Um, Just keep it on, keep yeah. it on, keep it on yeah. with the, with the uh, package. And exactly. Subsequently you know why the Porsche was originally justified in its rear wheel, a rear engine application? Do tell me. Because Mr. Porsche said it's easier to push than to pull. That was it. 
Wow. Yeah. Wow. Okay, yeah. that's interesting. It is. Did you know that the the way to distinguish talk and power? Talk is pull, power is push. What? Yeah. Think about that. I will. Late, I'm late gonna, I'm gonna have to think about it now. Okay, great. Yeah. There's gonna be a twenty minute silence while we think about this. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well on that note, um that that, note. that conveniently wraps up this episode, I'd say. And we hope you learned something through that list of twenty five cars with um very interesting features in them. Maybe you'll get yep. into your car and you'll look at some certain feature and go, oh, that came about and yeah. whatever, 1963. Yeah, we truly hope this list has been sobering and uh, any any fact checkers, just don't, please. <laughs> just don't do it. Because <laughs> we don't have to take that ourselves so for factual inaccuracy. <laughs> I think we did pretty good. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Great. Um, anyways, thank you all for tuning in and we'll catch you next time. Yes. Bye. Bye-bye. Beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> Keep that in. Yeah, <laughs> Keep man. that in. Ha, <laughs> ha,